Good morning, Bethel. Man, happy new year. Yes, 2023 is upon us. Hard to believe. I firmly believe that 2023 is going to be the best year in the life of our church. Are you excited to see what God's going to do in our church this year? Man, that was, that was rough. Are you guys excited to see what God's going to do in our church this year? Yes, I'm excited because I know God's going to do some amazing things in the life of Bethel Community Church this year. You know, one of the things that we've done the last few years as, a, as my, my personal family is we'll sit around the dinner table, one of the uh, leading up to the new year, and we actually make goals and you know, family goals, individual goals and family goals. And if, you know, I, I highly urge you all to do that. It's good because this past week we sat back and looked at and see how we did with our 2022 goals. We leave them up on the wall in the kitchen and then we took those down, went over them, we put up our 2023 goals. And it was, it is, it's good to see what you were able to accomplish and what God was able to do through you in, in uh, the last year. You know, we've all experienced the, the excitement of starting something new. We have that enthusiasm. And then that enthusiasm begins sometimes to peter out along the way. I did a basic Google search on things we start well, but we do not finish. We laugh because we've all done that. Yes, we have. We can all say amen to that. I, I think we all know what the top of that list would be. Diets. We all start diets that we do not complete. We are day eight into the new year. How many of you guys have already broken your diet for 2023? Then yeah, most of us could probably put our hand up for that one. Another thing that started was at the top of that list was workout plans. We make a commitment to either get in the garage and work out or get to the gym and work out. I, I, I enjoy the gym, but I hate the gym in January because there's a lot of people that make that commitment in January and the gym is really, really full of these people and it just makes it miserable. But by February, March, they usually, you know, they've fallen out to the wayside. Another thing that comes to the top of that is people that start but do not finish. And that's college. That is another one on the list. Another one that I thought was surprising up there, and I, I think this one was just kind of as a joke, was Navy SEAL training. Yeah, you know, something I started but I didn't finish. Just kidding. I, I, I never was there. But um, another one was running a marathon. Running a marathon. You want to guess? What mile marker? Because mile 18 is the mile that, uh, if you're going to quit a marathon, people quit on mile 18. I read that doing this research. I don't know if, it, if that's finally the mile that people, you know, their bodies start telling them, this is a bad idea, why are you doing this? Or, you know, this is the mile that, you know, I, who knows what it is, but mile 18. Some other things that people start, but they do not finish, reading a book. How many of you started a book and it's still sitting there and you haven't finished it? Yeah. Or another one I saw on the list was writing a book. Here's another one. Watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, the two trilogies. 40% of you, that's the greatest movie series ever. And then the other 60% say, could this movie be any longer? When will this movie end? Yes, that's uh, another thing that people start that do not finish. In the life of faith, we have the experience of starting something, but not finishing too. I think we can all look back on our life of faith and see that. 
Maybe you resolve to read the Bible through in a year, and you got into January or February and you kind of fell off. Or maybe you resolve to memorize scripture throughout the year, or to give up a destructive or sinful habit. Maybe another thing is to be generous, to start giving sacrificially. Or maybe it is a girl who resolved to stop dating guys who aren't spiritual leaders. Or guys dating girls who were not drawing them closer to Christ. So I want to talk this morning about going all in, getting in the game in your spiritual life. We're going to get in the game in 2023. You know, so many times people train, they train, they train, and then it comes to actually game time, and they don't perform. They don't get in the game. They decide to stay on the bench. Jesus told a story about two brothers. With which one was he more pleased? Not with the one who made the promise, but the one who saw it through. The one who did what he said he would do. So it is with us. It is not just making the decision that counts with God. It's going all in. It's getting in the game. That counts with God. You can write that down. I'll say it again. It's not just making the decision that counts with God. It's going all in. Get in the game. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 14 this morning. And just to give you a little background in this text before we start reading it, we have a rather infamous story of one of the apostles who faltered in his faith. The Apostle Peter. Everybody loves Peter. We love him because we can see ourselves in Peter. He's a man big on promises, but sometimes short on execution. His aspirations are often loftier than his accomplishments. Peter, by the way, was not his real name. That was the nickname Jesus gave to him that meant the rock. Simon was his real name. And think of him almost as one man or two men trapped in the same body. Right before the crucifixion, Peter says, I'll never deny you, Jesus, even if everyone else does. That's the Peter part of him. But yet the same night, he denies Christ three times. There's the Simon part coming out. Peter in Acts chapter 2 is the first one to declare that God has included the Gentiles in the gospel. That's the Peter, the rock. But later he refuses to, to eat with Gentiles because he's scared of what the Jews will say. And so the Apostle Paul calls him out. That's the Simon part coming out. Today you're going to see a story in which he says, Jesus, if that's you, I'll walk on water to you. He is the one to show that kind of courage. This is Peter getting in the game. Getting in the game. That's Peter. Then right in the middle of it, he gets scared and he starts to sink. There's the Simon coming out. So Peter's got a face side to him and he's got a fear side. When I was a kid, and you guys might remember this, McDonald's came out with a burger called the McDLT. The McDLT. Remember that? It was out, they actually had it for 10 years. 
And the idea of it was, is they thought that through testing that people wanted to have their lettuce and tomato and onions cold, but their burger patty hot. And if they wrapped it together in their wrapping like they have, it would make all of it hot because the patty was hot. And so they came out with this styrofoam where they would put the, all of the vegetables on this side and the burger part on this side and then the customer could put it together so they could have the cold sensation of the vegetables and the warm sensation of the burger. It lasted for a few years and then, you know, it went away because customers didn't like putting together their own burgers. They liked it to be together themselves. I say all that to say, you know, sometimes in, in life, Peter's like that. He's got a hot side and a cold side. I think we are that way sometimes in our, our faith side as well. You never, you ever feel like you should have two names? The time that you are going forward with what God wants you to do and the times that you are backsliding in your faith. I think I need one name that means rock sometimes in my life and another one that means wimp. That's, that's the truth. That's, that's, I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's where we are many times in our own Christian walk. Just to give you a little bit of background here before we, we jump into our text, Jesus had been preaching all day to the crowds. They were there in the, around the Sea of Galilee. And on the Sea of Galilee, it was actually a big lake, but they call it the Sea of Galilee, and there's mountains that go up from the sea. And the wind would come down off of those mountains, making the, the water on that sea just very treacherous. It would take boats out because the wind was so, so strong. The waves would get so high on this lake. And so Jesus gets done teaching. And you're going to see in the scripture, he tells his disciples, I need to go off and pray. You get on a boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's pick up in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. We'll see here, he sent the disciples into the storm. When Jesus told them back in verse 22 to get in the boat and go to their side, he knew the storm was coming. He knew. He directly sent the disciples into this storm. You know, have you ever heard of the line, the safest place to be is in the will of God? That's true in a sense, but sometimes people confuse that to mean that everywhere God sends you is safe, easy, and like a walk through a rose garden. Here they obeyed the direct command of Jesus and ended up in a not safe place, in a boat, in a storm. That is not a place that I want to be. Certain storms are part of the will of God for you because God is not just doing something for you. He is doing something in you in the midst of that storm. The biggest thing God is doing in your life is teaching you to trust him in that storm. So faith usually leads you through difficulty, not around it. When we're in the storm, how, how are we praying? 
We're praying for God to get us around the storm or get us through the storm. We're never praying, God, accomplish in my life what you want to accomplish while I'm in this storm. That's not usually the way that we are praying. Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the water and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I want my Savior, when I'm in a storm, to take me around the storm or to build a bridge over the waters. But God takes me through the waters, through the storm, to show me that his grace is deeper than those waters. His presence is stronger than the fire. He wants me to be able to trust him in any situation. Faith leads you through difficulty, not around it. Let's keep reading here, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, let's stop here for just a second. We think, these guys knew who Jesus was. Why did they call him a ghost? Have you ever seen anybody walk on the water? We would probably think it was a ghost too if we saw someone walking on top of the water. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. All right, so let's talk about this passage for just a moment. He doesn't come immediately to them in the storm. When he does come, he comes strolling by at a distance, close enough so they can see him and hear him, What's in the midst of the storm, that had to be close. Because if you have the rain, the wind howling, it had to be close enough to the boat so they could hear his voice. But does he come right up to them and hop in the boat and say, I'm here to save you. I'm here to save the day. No, that's not what he does in this passage. In a parallel passage in Mark chapter 6, Mark writes about them. He says he meant to pass by them. That's odd. How odd. They're struggling for their lives. And Mark says he meant to pass by them. It's almost like he's saying, I'll see you on the other side. I hope you get there okay. Kind of weird. To get his help, we see what they have to do here. And what was that? They had to call out. They had to call out to him. And I love this. They don't even cry out in faith. They re- Matthew recorded that what? They cried out in fear. In fear they cried out, which is really, it's, it's you know, Jesus still, he still answers to them. You know what that shows us? That God is a compassionate father who responds to the children when they call He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, 
If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Come on out here, Peter. Come on here. Notice Jesus did not fix the disciples' problem by making the storm go away when they cried out to him in fear. He just gave Peter a command. Gave him a command. The command was come. If you're in a difficulty, maybe you should stop asking God to fix the situation and ask God, what do you want me to do? What is your command? Nothing wrong with asking God to fix the situation, but first ask God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to do? Start demanding and start listening. So he said, come. Let's keep reading in verse 29. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Interesting story, isn't it? We have to ask ourselves the question, why is this story in Scripture? The story is not there to inspire us to actually walk on water. That's, that's not why it's there. That's not what we should look at. We know that is not possible. In Acts, when Paul is in a shipwreck, it never occurs to Paul to get out of the boat and walk on the water. This story is to show us what it's like to get out of the boat, to get in the game with our faith. Because that's going to be one of the biggest problems for all Christians in the Christian life. We'll see here first, initial faith is not enough. We need staying faith. When Jesus said to Peter at the end, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He's not talking about the intensity of Peter's faith, but it's the duration of his faith. So many people start the Christian life, but they just kind of peter out. They kind of just tail out toward the end of their life. Peter's faith, when it started, was strong. He was the only one who would get out of the boat, but it did not last. Initial faith is good, but in the Christian life, we need faith that lasts, sustaining faith. Number two, we find staying faith at the same place we found our initial faith. Where did Peter's initial faith come from? Two places. You see a vision of Jesus when Jesus says, take heart, it is I, when they were in the storm. What I find interesting about that phrase, it is I. He's using the Greek, the Greek word there for I am. Take heart, I am, which is the name of God. He's saying, do not be afraid. I am. I am. Peter saw the great I am was standing on top of everything that terrified him. Everything that was terrifying him right then in that moment in his life, God was showing to him, I'm here. I'm here. I have not abandoned you. You see, also, we find that he found his faith in Jesus' command. 
Peter figured that it was more important to obey Jesus' command than to focus on the circumstances. So many times we get distracted with all of the hustle and bustle of life and we forget about the commands of Christ. The great I am is on top of those waves. What he said is larger than any wave that is rising up against me. Peter, he's focused not on what he had to walk through, but whom he was walking to. Peter is not so much walking on water as he is walking on the promises of God. He's not so much standing on the waves as he is standing on the character of Jesus. It's when he took his eyes off of those two things that he began to sink. Verse 30, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. Focus on the word of God. When the waves of life are crashing against you. Focus on the waves and you'll wallow in your weakness. Focus on the word of God and you'll be Peter. Focus on the waves and you'll be Simon. You see, let me give you a little secret to this passage. The point of this passage is not to demonstrate the greatness or weakness of Peter's faith. The point is to demonstrate the greatness of God's grace. The greatness of God's grace. When I was reading the parallel account, I noticed that Mark's account did not mention the part about Peter getting out of the boat and sinking. That's crazy, isn't it? You would think that Mark would actually record this. This is a pretty big event for a man to get out of the boat and walk on the water. And yet Mark would not record that part of the story. Well, we know that Mark was Peter's traveling companion. And scholars tell us the gospel of Mark is essentially Peter's preaching notes or things that Peter had told Mark to write down. So at first thought, you know, you think Peter doesn't want to know, or doesn't want the readers of Mark's gospel to know about his wavering faith. He's ashamed. But I think there's a different reason. Peter doesn't want the focus on him at all. He doesn't want the focus because the story is not about Peter's faith. It's about Jesus' faithfulness to his disciples. Peter wants us to know that he is always close. When you call out to him, even if it's in fear from lack of faith, he helps. Psalms 94, 18 says, When I said my foot is slipping, your steadfast love, O Lord, supported me. Our God is a God who will always be there to catch us and pick us up when we call out to him. So where, when you waver, put your eyes on Jesus. The story doesn't give you a person to emulate, but a Savior to trust. Gives us a Savior to trust. In the story, Peter may have failed at what he set out to do, but Jesus succeeded in proving exactly what he wanted to prove, and that is our Savior is always trustworthy. He is always trustworthy. How much more should we see this on this side of the cross? You figure this story was written before Jesus had died upon 
the cross. There we see Jesus not only come to, he, he came to the disciples in the storm, but we see on the cross, he took into himself the storm of God's wrath. He not only walked on top of the waves, but he soared over sin and death in the resurrection. Not only did he lift us up on top of the waves, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he gives us resurrection life through the Spirit. And I know that if, he, if we reach all the way down at that time on the cross, he reached all the way down to hell to rescue me from my sin. I know he'll help me when I stumble. If he reached out to me to save me when I was his enemy, certainly he'll reach out to me now that I am his son. You see, ultimately God's purpose in the Christian life is to teach you and I to trust him. In Peter's first letter to the church, you see Peter, he wrote a couple of, a couple of books that are found in our scripture. And he writes in the first chapter of, of Peter. Peter chapter 1 verse 6, he says, In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You can interpret that Greek word as storms. So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He writes that as someone who has experienced that. He writes that from great experience. So initial faith is not enough. You need staying faith, and staying faith comes from the same place as initial faith. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us today? You're in the midst of difficulties and decisions that, that you, of faith that you have made. Maybe you started out 2022 really well, but then you started to falter by the end of the year. Put your eyes and ears back on the things you were looking at when you first made the decision. You believed Jesus was trustworthy, and you took a dare on him. You obeyed his command, and now things have gotten difficult. That does not mean that Jesus has left you or that you have made the wrong decision. He is testing your resolve to deepen your faith and trust in him. Think of Peter's, first, Peter's faith as a first step. The first step, Peter's faith being that step that he made to get out of the boat. Every step is the same exact step of faith. We don't experience faith so much by sitting around and dreaming up grand dreams, but we experience faith by taking step after step after step. The Christian life could be summarized as a bunch of little steps of faith moving in the direction of Jesus, continually being conformed to the image of his Son. That is the best way to describe the Christian faith. Getting to the end of your life and feeling like you've walked on water is the result of a lifetime of small, faithful steps that you have taken day after day, year after year in your life. It's never the dreams that you dream, it's the decisions that you make that count in life. Take that step of faith and get in the game. It's the step, the small step of forgiving that person that you have struggled with that sinned against you. 
It's taking that step of reclaiming God's forgiveness of you and getting up again in the morning to struggle another day against this sinful body that we all fight day after day. It's getting up and taking that step of being willing to put up with the scorn one more day as you try to be a faithful witness for Jesus to the people that God has put in your life around you. It's taking that step of trusting God again this year with your finances to be generous. It's taking that step of being willing to press on in the life that God has given to you. The expression of faith is the step, so take the next step. So for you, some of you in here today, that first step for you looks like making the decision to become a follower of Jesus and get out of the boat. Get in the game. Some of you in here today have never made the decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And God has been throwing waves and storms in your life to bring you to this point to get in the game. To take that initial faith step. For those of you who have taken that first step to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What is your next step in your faith life that God is wanting you to take? What is it that God is working in your life that he wants to accomplish in 2023? I'm thinking spiritually. You know, I mean, we all want to lose weight. We all want to get these other things. We all want to become more financially secure. What spiritually does God want to do in your life? How does God want to grow you to be conformed to the image of his son? What little step, little step can we take this next year? Jesus is close and compassionate, and he doesn't come to criticize if we start walking in faith, he'll help us all along the way. Let's get in the game. Let's pray.